This is Nichelle Calhoun, and you're listening to Perpetual Blackness, telling the stories of Black DC, Maryland, and Virginia, while telling my own family story over nine generations. I've been doing, but for decades I've been doing historical research and particularly focused on African American history and and unearthing some information uh, that maybe hasn't been shared before or hasn't been discovered before. Because as we all know, those of us who who research African American history, it's not as easy uh, as researching Caucasian or European or uh, white history because there, there just wasn't that much documentation. Although, I want to make this clear, there was documentation. It's just not inventoried, it's not indexed, and it's, it's a puzzle to try and find it. But there is a lot more out there in the courthouse records, in people's journals, diaries they have in their attics uh, that will will tell a more complete story of African-American history. This more complete story that Zen Nelson, a Culpeper historian, speaks of is the journey. The locating and indexing of African-American history is what the small Black Virginia Historical Society located in Fauquier County does, the one I'm connected to. AAHA, the Afro-American Historical Association of Fauquier County. Ooh, always a mouthful, but always necessary to be reminded of because it's such a powerhouse. Karen White is executive director and co-founder, has spent decades in and out of the county courthouses, research rooms, Virginia libraries doing just that. It is what makes my connection to Fauquier so serendipitous. Karen, Norma, known as Buffy, and Angela, the women who run AHA, have done so much of the legwork. So what could you look for? Okay, get ready to take notes. There are a number of locations, document locations to begin with. So let's start with the circuit court records. There's vital records, birth, death, and marriage certificates, land records, probate records, which means wills and inventories. Oh, let's go back to land records, deeds, chancery suits, divorce, land disputes and settlements, military records, tax and personal property records, free Negro and slave records, and what they call loose papers, apprenticeships, freedom suits, hire contracts, slave affidavits, Bible records, obituaries, genealogies, photographs, and family keepsakes, and more. These things are searchable. Your first stop is the county court of records for the ancestor you are researching. And that's what brings me to Culpeper, a marriage certificate. Culpeper County, another Virginia Piedmont County founded in 1759 and named after a colonial governor of Virginia, Thomas Culpepper. 
it's a county which I had little tied to as well, just like Falkier and Rappahannock before this project. But Culpepper, I became situated by a court document. Remember, going back, locating and indexing of documents really opens up stories. So in my last episode, I talked about my fifth grade grandmother moving somehow to Rappahannock County, Virginia. (laughs) And so it's funny when you come from another space, it's very difficult to um, pronounce the words like people who live there. But I'm going to try Rappahannock County, Virginia. And there we located two of her sons, my fourth great grandfather, John Lawson, known as Growler through family stories, and William Lawson, his brother, blacksmiths, landowners, born free. And it's John's daughter, Frances Lawson, my third great grandmother from which I descend, that helps situate me in Culpeper. Going back to John Lawson, I reached out to another family member who does family research. And she famously tells me about this picture of John Lawson. And unfortunately, it doesn't exist in my family anymore. When I asked her what he looked like, because I do have his description from the Free Negro Register, she says, I just remember him looking very serious. Enough to give me a little bit of insight. A man about his business, a blacksmith, a landowner and born free in a time where he was acutely in the minority. So going back to his daughter, Frances, I see first Frances listed on the 1850 census. She's just three years old. And here I'm using Ancestry.com and I'm going through and tracking the different censuses and looking for people. Now, it is seeing her on the first census before I was deep into my research that confused me. Before I knew my family was free, I was confused as to why I saw her name on that 1815 census, 15 years before the end of the Civil War. What that meant was she was born free. And I didn't understand that when I first began my research. Thinking of it like this, before 1870, the first census after the Civil War, African Americans were enslaved. And therefore, they were not listed. They were only property and were not listed by name. They were only listed on something called slave schedules. And that listed the number of men and women, but never names. And so there's a lot of anonymity. So when I came across Frances Lawson, um, before I understood that my family was free from the Betsy Lawson era from 1809, I was very confused. But going back to her on this census, um, This was the first clue that I came across that showed me a different reality. Now, another thing to remember is that when you are using Ancestry.com or when you are looking at um, census documents, it is important to look not only at your family, but who's living around your family. Open the original record and pour through a few pages of neighbors. Don't just look at the transcribed record with your ancestor. And what you begin to see is striking is that the geography is always racialized and the census tells a story that backs up reality. On that 1850 census, in the race category, I find pages and pages of white families living aside the black Lawsons. After scanning a few pages, I find one more free black family, the Pinions in Rappahannock County. The Lawsons and Pinions were truly landlocked in a sea of whiteness. The census documents, of course, indicate professions, 
And what catches my eye is that the free black family of the Pinions live right aside a white family where the head of household's occupation is overseer. Coming across this, I gasp. I try to understand the complex life in the continuum between free and enslaved, always seeming so fragile. But back to Frances Lawson, my third great grandmother. She's born in 1847, and she is also the oldest picture that I have of a family member. A copper dagger type shows her overless face. She seems to be in between youth and middle age. A right nasolabial fold showing on an otherwise youthful face, and eyes that say she's lived a few things. I'm trying to unfold those things as neatly as possible that she has lived. In 1870, she is 22, not a mother yet, but still living in her parents' home. I'm also shocked by this, as I guess I originally assumed that a black woman of 22 would probably already be a mother. It is five years after the end of slavery, and her aunt and uncle live next door with a host of cousins. William Lawson and his children. She can read and write, putting her in an elite category of black people. This is a heart of reconstruction. In his 1870, only 20% of black men and women could read and write that year. 10 years later in 1880, we see Frances living on her own in the house next door to her father. She is the mother of three and 33 years old. Lucienne Lawson is the oldest, seven years old, and James William and Mary Frances are a set of twins. They are four. Mary Frances will go on to be my second great-grandmother. Lucienne Lawson would be the great-great-grandmother of Norma Logan, who works at AHA and who was the first person to pick up my call. Her cousin, as in Frances' cousins, Patsy, is also living with her in the household. She has a young son who's just one years old. And his name is Robert Darius. The two black women are working as single mothers in one household in the 1870s. It almost feels like something I can imagine today. She's a seamstress, Frances, and Patsy, the washer and ironer. Cousin Patsy is noted as sick with scrofula. I didn't know what scrofula was, but as I looked it up, it was a disfiguring disease related to tuberculosis where the bacteria actually causes these visibly inflamed lymph nodes that can be seen in the neck region, so visible that it was noted by the census taker that she was sickly with scrofula. The question looms, where are the men? These young women are mothers without partners. I have no clear clue in what direction until a marriage certificate, a county over in Culpeper, because at this time these women are noted on the Rappahannock County census. But in 1895, when Frances' daughter, my second great-grandmother, Mary Frances Lawson, marries at the age of 18 in 1895, her father is listed. I travel to the Culpeper County Courthouse and hold the original marriage certificate in my hands. The aged yellow certificate unfolds like a brochure. The father revealed on the marriage certificate, a Jake Woodward. I comb the census looking for a Jake Woodward later, but I can't find him. Not a black one, at least. Looking steadily, I come across Jake Woodward, but the only one I find is white and married. I was confused. Frances Lawson was a black woman, born free black woman. How could she legally be with Jake Woodward? She would have had my second great-grandmother and her twin brother in the early 1870s. But 
Despite all my questions about his legality and how that happened and the separate worlds I assume black and white to live on based on the hypersegregation we live today, DNA comes back and tells a whole different story. It proves its truth. The results returned to me, placed a flurry of white woodwards into my DNA matches, and I began contacting them one by one. Hello? Is this Mary? Hello. Yes. Hi, Mary. This is Nichelle. Oh, hi. <laughs> How are you? Glad you me. Oh, it's so difficult because we all have our schedules. <laughs> I know, and we're all on different time zones, and yeah, it's crazy. How are you? I'm very good. So are you in California? Yes. Well, this is so interesting to learn that, um, you know, to actually speak to family members you don't know. And I know. I know. I, went, I found a few of them so far. So, um, just to make sure. So, we have Jake Woodward in common, and he's my third great-grandfather, and he's your... Great-grandfather. Great-grandfather. Okay. Yeah. And what do you know about him? Did had you heard any a lot of stories about him or? No, I, I haven't. Um, my he died, of course, long before I was came along. Of course, um, he's the one. He's the one who moved from Virginia, from Culpeper, that area, over to West Virginia. Okay. Um, at that time, yeah, and it was shortly after the Civil War. West Virginia was a brand new state, and. Um, I know that he was, he worked, or he was the manager of, uh, like, a reform school. Oh, wow. You know, yeah, he was the, the head of the school. And that's when my dad was born in Kearneytown, which is not too far from Fairmont. So my dad was one of eight kids. And so these were, these would have been um, Jacob, James Jacob's grandchildren. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, he he and his wife only had they had two children, Earl and James Frank. And James Frank is my was my grandfather. James Frank and Earl. Okay. Yeah. So. so oh, you know, it's so interesting. And and the mother's name, your great grandmother's name, would have been. My, um, oh, Nancy, Nancy Catherine Curry. Nancy Catherine Curry. Okay. So, yeah, and her, her roots in that area go, like, back to the early 1700s, late 1600s. I mean, they went over after, right after, you know when they went over? After the French and Indian War. Oh, wow. Before the, before the Revolution, they were already over in that area. Okay, okay. So, uh, yeah, and so he didn't marry her until um, 1880, 1860s. Yeah, like around 1880. Okay, I'm looking at, I'm pulling him up right now so I can have a little reference. So, I see, was he married two times? Was he married to a Carolyn Virginia Hopkins? Evidently, yeah. And I, she must have died, like, I have no information on her death. Okay. But, evidently she died, they have no children. I'm guessing she died in childbirth. It was very common in those days. Right. 
Okay, so I'm going to add this One thing I saw had her dying in Tennessee, so maybe they left, went over to Tennessee. She died. He came back home. He, his parents, uh, we're talking about James Jacob now. Right. Mm -hmm. His, you know, the one we have in common, his mother died when he was either two or three. No, his father died when he was two or three. His mother died when he was about 12 or 13. Okay, so that's James and Francis. Yeah, the, the question would be, you know, where where was he? Who brought him? Who was bringing him up? Was he indentured? Was he an indentured servant? Was he an apprentice to somebody? We don't know any of those. I wish we could go back and ask you. I know, right? <laughs> tell me, tell me, tell me. Give me some clues. Yeah, it, it sounds like he was a, a bit of a loose end for a while. You know, with going, you know not having parents and then going to Tennessee and coming back to Virginia and then going to West Virginia. Wow. Yeah. And he has siblings and is that right? Ann Showalter or Ann Woodward and Daniel Woodward? Yes. Yes. I don't know anything about them either. Okay. I'm just, I'm just looking at the little I know of him. So I, I think I mentioned to you this, uh, to the, mentioned this to you in the email, but so my second great grandmother is Mary Frances Lawson. And oh my gosh. Yes. That's so true. <laughs> Thank you for bringing it full circle for me. Yeah. So yeah. she, yeah. she had it on her marriage certificate is where I first saw the name Woodward or Woodard. And so I, you know, knowing the laws at the time where it was illegal, of course, for um, blacks and whites to marry, I, I just naturally look for a black father. And I didn't see anyone with that name. And the only name that came up was uh, James Jacob Woodard, who was white. So I was like, that can't be because, know. you know, just that wouldn't have been legal. So even if they had had... Right. Right. Of course. But the thing that got me... Right, it wasn't legal. But the thing that got me was she listed it on the marriage certificate. Because even if, yeah. even if, you know, of course, black and white relationships happened, but you wouldn't legally recognize it. So I thought it was very interesting that it was listed as a father. But on her death certificate, the father is listed as unknown. Oh. And so... I wasn't a hundred percent sure because then I saw James Woodward and I said, okay, you know, he's, he's white. Then the father's listed as unknown and on the brother's, um, on the brother's death certificate as well. So then I said, okay, so what's going on there? So it wasn't until the DNA test came back that confirmed for me that yes, yeah. that is, yes, exactly. That is the father. And that makes sense. Um, so I could tell you a little bit about the woman that he would have been with would have been my third great grandmother. Her name is Frances Lawson. What, what do you know about, we know what you know about her. We know, I know her father was a blacksmith. Yes. And he, was a, he was free. He was free. Yeah. And then he married a white woman. Okay. He was free. So he was free. He was a landowner. He was a blacksmith. And she was born in 1848. Um, but... I couldn't figure out why Frances, who's eight years younger, what would have been her relationship because 1848, she was born. And, but Mary, I'm sorry, Mary Frances, the daughter of Jacob Woodward was not born until 1877. So that's way after enslavement. 
Um, yeah. So what was the nature of their relationship? Was it, uh, that's what is, that's my enduring question. Was it, they lived near each other? Did James Woodward work in the father's mill? I'm just stumped by this one because she, so the mother, Frances Lawson, has two sets of kids then. So the one set would be my line through Jacob Woodward. And then she has another set through, I assume, a black man. Because if you see the pictures of Mary Frances, she's really fair. She's very light. She looks like my dad. When you sent me the picture, I was like, oh, my goodness. They, oh my goodness, like, but you know what, in my family, I asked my oldest living aunt, uh, Mary Frances lived a long time, she lived to be almost 100, so she was able to raise a lot of uh, younger children, and um, she was the person, grandchildren. yeah, grandchildren, yeah. exactly, because her daughter, who I also sent you a picture of, she died um, before her mother, and so um, Mary Frances ended up raising many of her children and, you know, everyone knew her. And so when you sent me that picture of her, I was like, oh my gosh, like this woman looks so much like, that would be her nephew then, right? Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Oh my gosh. But when I asked my, I asked my aunt, my great aunt, my grandmother's sister, <clears throat> she said she didn't know anything about her father. Uh-huh. And she's the oldest, the oldest member of our family. So that made okay. me think that it wasn't open knowledge that the father was white. So here's the thing. I'm a little biased. I usually pay attention more to the women than I do to the men. Um, uh-huh. And I do that. <laughs> yeah, I do that because, you know, so much of our history is, are not told, you know, as women. So... I spent a lot of time thinking about the women in my family and what was passed down. So when you emailed me about James William Lawson, I was like, oh, yes, I, I left him out. <laughs> yes, because I, I do believe that they both have the same father. I think James Woodward would be the father to both. And so... Oh, I think so, too. I'm wondering if they're So James Lawson... Um, he's listed as mulatto... And uh, let's see if I can see his draft registration because then they usually say what they look like, ah. um, which is usually helpful. You're good at this. <laughs> this one, this one is not so specific, but a lot of them will describe them like as like if you know how light they're. You know, it gives me a little more, right. a little more clue. Um, as I said, in this part of Virginia, I think most people are, are light, lighter skin black. Um, I'm more of an outlier, um, in my family. And generally when I go to events right now, we're doing like all history projects in a lot of the black communities and I'm usually the brownest one in the room. So I think it's more of the default. Um, but I'm now I'm looking at his death certificate and I'm going to see, I think his father's listed as unknown. Oh, interesting enough. Oh, okay. That's right. I looked this up the other night after we talked, his father is listed as, first of all, it's scratched out. There's a name and the name that I think that they're putting is Elias Chapelier. 
the the Huguenot guy that was yeah the uncle the uncle oh you're so good at reminding me of the relationships thank you um I think that's what they were trying to put and then they wrote over it so it's not clear but that wouldn't have been the uh, case that's not his that's yeah. not his father so it makes me wonder maybe they, were, maybe they just assumed or they got confused or, you know, they wrote it down and then they would be like oh that's not right and yeah, I was thinking that, or maybe they that was an easier explanation that like, okay, you have this mixed child, and we everybody knows that Elias has these fifteen mixed children. I don't know. Right. I I I'm not sure exactly why. It makes me wonder, and I don't know enough about like labor relations at the time. Um, I don't. It makes me wonder, because you said that um, Jake was, basically, he was kind of like, he didn't have parents at a very important time of no. his, right. So it makes me wonder if, right, if he worked, it, if he worked, I mean, would it be possible for him to work at my great-great-grandfather's blacksmith shop? While I may never know why Frances Lawson and Jake Woodward legally declared themselves as the interracial parents of Mary Frances Lawson in that legal document in a Culpeper court in 1895, it hints at a story of protest. In the year before Plessy v. Ferguson established his segregation as constitutional, in the heat of active miscegenation laws, neither Frances or Frances and Jake Woodward said this child, our child, Mary Frances Lawson, from this interracial couple, is marrying Henry Bailey this 25th day of September, 